0: That's how it starts, the fever,
1: the rage, the feeling of powerlessness that turns good men cruel.
0: Welcome, I'm Andrew Dice. And I'm Stephen Colbert. And this is Batman v Superman by the
1: Minute, a podcast where we... Watch a minute of Batman v. Superman, uh, the ultimate edition of Dawn of Justice, and then we talk about it uh, for uh, a few minutes at a time. Yeah, a few. Just a few. (laughs) Depending on the minute. I believe we've finished
0: minute 45. We now move into minute 46, which is, I guess, probably one of our... One of our favorites where we're, we're, we're going to get some more Alfred and then we are going to be moving into what is probably the last minute before the minute I know that
1: I've been looking forward to. Yes. A minute of setup with a terrific car. But first, Alfred. I think it's some of the most sort of understated Alfred. Like when people talk about Alfred, they don't talk about minute 46. But there is uh, some of the best Bruce and Alfred interactions come here. I need to put a leech in this house and I'm going to need the suit. The Bat interrogated six people and came away with nothing. It was Bruce Wayne that got the information. Well, Bruce Wayne can't break into Lex Luthor's house. Bruce Wayne won't have to. He's been invited.
0: I know we've given a lot of credit to Perry White for his uh, one-liners and zingers, but it's probably fair to say that Alfred and him are both... You know, with, with each of our characters, they're serving the same purpose here. We get Alfred's making the observation, the same observation about the wine that we did and saying, I hope the next generation of Wayne's won't inherit an empty wine cellar before dropping his first of multiple lamentations about the unlikely next generation of
1: Wayne's. Yeah, Alfred's roasts of Bruce or his raisin of, of Bruce is is – I like comparing it to Perry because it kind of gives us both that um lightheartedness on in both Clark and Bruce's arcs. But there's something about Alfred's that are so like they're almost more layered than Perry's. Whereas Perry's is, is he's just Josh and Clark nonstop. But Alfred, it's always like he's not he's making fun of him for drinking too much wine and just the constant like are you gonna find a lady? Are you gonna settle down? Are you gonna have kids? Like, <laughs> just like every... and I don't remember if they all come in this. I think there's some of them that are in, in Justice League, also that I'm I may be thinking of. But it's just that constant, like, yeah, the the not that there's going to be a next generation under his breath. I know this isn't the first time we've seen Alfred
0: basically nesting, but <laughs> and wishing that Bruce would too. But uh, maybe I just love it more because Jeremy Irons doing it.
1: Yeah, well, and this is such a great moment. With, There's so many really subtle Bruce and Alfred moments in this where, like, Bruce, and I mean, especially Batman, but, you know, Bruce too in this movie is kind of a dick. And Alfred is always calling him out on it in, like, a really lighthearted way that's kind of endearing that he's like, you know, I'm with you till the end. But here there's this moment where Bruce brings him a cup of coffee. And I don't know, I think it's the first time... Or not the first time. I think there there's like some times in like the animated series where he like brings him a tray of food or something. But um Alfred is so like stereotypically like carrying around a tray of tea or something in in the comics and uh, uh, in movies or whatever. And to have this version of Bruce bringing him a cup of coffee is I don't know. There's just something very like it shows that there's something timeless and. Unfouled about their relationship, despite everything else kind of being a kilter.
0: Yeah, I think it is probably thing I, I unexpectedly enjoy the most about their relationship, which is because I'm trying to think. It would be it's so like rote to say that Alfred should be bringing him the coffee, but in mm. reality, Bruce bringing it to him just drives home the point again that they're equals, like they're partners in this. Yeah, and that's probably because this Bruce Wayne is supposed to be older. At some point this would become their relationship because they basically just live together.
1: Yeah, exactly. Well, and you think about like not that this version of Alfred is is that old or anything yet, but they've been together for so long it's beyond like an employer, employee or caretaker ward sort of situation. Yeah. And and you know, you believe that, that Bruce is going to take care of Alfred in his old age. It's not like he's going to say, well, you're too old to be my butler anymore. See ya. Like, I'm hiring someone younger. Like, Alfred is going to, you know, hold up in, in uh, I guess not Wayne Manor in this story, but in, you know, the lake house or wherever, and Bruce is going to take care of him. And I don't really doubt that. The the plot stuff that, that Bruce expounds on here,
0: in hindsight, now that we've established, like, he basically took the bait, this is also sad because... There's basically no information <laughs> conveyed through this, except, like, he works for Lex Luthor. You should go to Lex Luthor.
1: Well, and it feels like it's it's kind of just straight exposition, but there's something about this scene that I'd never registered until this watch-through. I don't, I, I you know, this is the, was it too subtle or too obvious moment for me for this episode, is they got the invitation to Lex's gala today. Yeah. Like... <laughs> think about that for a second like he just hacked his phone like what the night before Mm -hmm. like who's in charge who's pulling the strings here yeah like he knows exactly what he's doing yeah and as we go through and there's all these moments of like did Lex know did he and yeah no he knew he knew all along and KGB's knew at the bar like like there he's just eating out of his hand at this point it's a trail of breadcrumbs that's just leading him straight to to where he's going to go. And, and as I'm kind of thinking about how this plot continues moving forward, I'm already seeing things that I know we're going to talk about in future episodes where it's like, Oh yeah, that you We don't even talk about that in the context of the fact that Bruce is doing it at Lex's bidding. But yeah. I mean, that continues up, up until, you know, like the big moments in the movie. I think
0: one of the things I I do really, I remember really enjoying the first time I saw this was when he says, you know, I'm going to have to, Plant a leech in Lex Luthor's house, and I'm gonna need the suit. It, it's weird now because it's almost like he he was um disciplined the last time we saw Bruce and Alfred, and now Bruce is almost like asking permission. Mm-hmm. And I remember in the theater the first time that Alfred said the bat interrogated six people and came away with nothing. Right, Bruce Wayne did one thing. That is what has broken the case. Like the idea that bruce can be as effective at maneuvering this stuff as batman i I know that's like a small detail but i enjoy it because it also sets up what is going to be a really enjoyable scene it also i guess in hindsight it also operates against the christopher nolan take a drink the version (laughs) where bruce and batman are like delineated between two people And whether you want to say that Bruce never was or now the two have mixed, I feel like in this movie, Christian Bale looking at his bath suit means something different in those normal movies than Ben Affleck looking at it here for me.
1: That's interesting. I feel like we're going to talk about that a little bit more in the next minute because I have some things to say about that that I don't know if I'm going to agree with you as much on that. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Because I was um, actually had in my notes that this moment, I feel like it's... I don't know if I want to say the most tired Batman idea, but one of the most well-tread and like understood is the sort of split between Bruce and, and Batman as like sort of treating them as different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause Alfred refers to them as, so Bruce says I need the suit. Yeah. And then Alfred says different differentiates between the bat and Bruce Wayne as, as two different entities accomplishing two different things which I've, I was going to say is setting up what I want to talk about a little bit more coming up. But I mean, maybe we don't disagree as much because I, I will agree, though, that I think that one of the arguments that is kind of being made here subtly or or maybe more overtly is that Bruce, they are becoming more than one thing. And maybe maybe Alfred is trying to keep that separation, recognizing that Bruce can't be Batman. Batman is Batman and Bruce is Bruce. And he wants to make sure that Bruce doesn't forget that.
0: Yeah, because the the most like facile reading of it is, you know, um, he feels empowered as the bat. And I and I would not use that word to describe like how I feel about this Bruce and this Batman. But the, the fact that they follow it up explicitly, you know, it isn't as nebulous and it kind of speaks to their working relationship that when Alfred says it was Bruce that got the information, Bruce says Bruce Wayne can't break into Lex Luthor's house. Right. Like he uses a very practical example. um, And then, like you said, he's been invited like, Hey guys, (laughs) pay closer attention. But, um, but yeah, I, I, I like the, that moment where he seems to be, he knows how Alfred is going to respond when he wants to put on the bat suit. And I have a lot of thoughts about why he is hesitant about being in his own skin that we get to later. Yeah. He seems to be like we kind of talked about it before. He's practical. The shortest distance between two points is a straight line and everything about Batman. Is that in an active way? And now Bruce's existence looks to be that same way, but in a really like stagnant way. Mm-hmm. So
1: him saying, I want to put on the suit because when he puts on the suit, he acts. That's, that's really interesting. And actually an angle on that that I don't know that I've seen explored as much now that we're talking about it sort of in this fashion is going back into the last minute. Like, don't forget he just woke up from this dream and he's talking about the dreams. I mean, the movie opens where with him talking about his dream, right. And how yeah. in the dream it carried him to the light. And that was a beautiful lie. And then we see it, his dream or a dream, at least that he has. And in the dream he goes and he visits his mother's tomb I think I referenced there that I think that maybe he could see his his parents or his mother maybe as the light that he is yeah. trying to to chase or to preserve or to save. And the <laughs> lie there is that a bat demon comes out of her tomb, and and which I would say is the lie of that he's not chasing the light; he's being consumed by the specter of the bat. Which, when it comes to Alfred being like, no, I think Bruce Wayne can do this without the bat, it's sort of pushing back against the, like, you don't you don't need to give in to that demon in order to get what you need.
0: Yeah, I mean, we can go into the after school special here, but the fact that Bruce is practically saying, like, you know, I need it just one more time.
1: Yeah. Well, it almost talking about it this way makes it the suit seem almost like something like, um, almost more mythic, like the ring and Lord of the Rings. And, uh, obviously Gollum is like a way over overly dramatized kind of version of that, but I, I feel like it's got a very similar draw and you know, I, we can, I'm getting into it a little bit in the next minute here. So we can, we can table that for now.
0: Yeah. The, this minute ends with him receiving his invitation to
1: a fancy party, um, November first, in case anyone was wondering, the date. I guess. Did you uh, did you see the name of the um, the senior? I think senior fundraiser is on it. Are you referring to Misha Bukowski? I am. Do you know who that is? I don't. That is his assistant. Uh, Zach Snyder's assistant director. Um, so she's the assistant director on this. Uh, she was. She's the assistant director on Army of the Dead, and Justice League. Actually, was she on? Ba- I'm pretty sure she was in Batman v Superman. Also, definitely Justice League, definitely Army of the Dead, and um, also Shazam. So, and some other stuff. So, I know Shazam is not a not a Snyder property, but long um, longtime Snyder collaborator though. And so, it's interesting because a lot of times you just see like the last name or the first name whenever he does an Easter egg for like one of his uh, one of his his peeps. But uh, no, it's just her her full name is on that, which I thought was really cool. Clearly,
0: a very passionate patron of the arts yeah and, apparently uh, senior fundraiser so i guess we officially conclude this minute or it just cuts right to
1: the the suit uh case spinning open i'm i both love and hate this transition here cuz i like to obsess over when certain things happen in the movie and when the minutes land at the perfect timing and just i guess to tease this next minute this this shot here is probably one of my favorite shots in the entire movie for a variety of reasons. So it's frustrating that they cut it off, but at the same time they leave most of it in the next minute. So there's still, so it's, it's close enough to an even dividing point, but I just wish that this scene ended like <laughs> half a second earlier just to kind of preserve that in its entirety in one episode. Yeah. Well, but it's a good way to tease the next, uh, the next episode though. Yeah. And a, and a good reminder that we don't always get what we want. <laughs> no, but Find sometimes that we do get what we need. That's what I'm told. I'm just...
0: Glass of wine in that is what has broken the case. like, just the idea that... Oh, is that the cat? Yeah, like, <laughs> yanking on the... Okay. Um... <laughs> Uh, oh yeah. The idea that